Hi, welcome to How Did You Learn to Do That, where you will hear tips, guidance, and stories to help you to have a fulfilling life and career. The inspirational stories that you will hear from people will inspire you to know that you can create anything you want in your life and it just takes commitment and action. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited for you to hear these stories, these guidance and the tips that I'll be sharing. And if you have any questions, you could always reach out to me, info at howdidyoulearntodothat.com and you can connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter at how did you learn to do that and we would love if you could help us grow and expand this podcast by reviewing us on apple podcasts as well as on youtube and sharing the episodes with your family and your friends and helping us continue to spread the message that we all are deserving of a fulfilling life and we can be the catalysts in our lives to create that all right stay tuned for the next episode Hi, everyone. I would like to welcome Carla Argis to the How Did You Learn to Do That podcast. Carla Argis is an entrepreneur, an author, a mom, a wife, and a mental health advocate. She shares her struggle of battling a mood disorder and a painful past while trying to juggle finding her purpose. Through her social media presence and company, Affirming Truths, she shares her journey with authenticity and encouragement. Inviting women to rewrite their stories from victor, victim to victor, and walk boldly in purpose. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, Carla, to share your story and your encouragement and your, you know, inspiring, in, inspiring and empowering story that I've been following over the last few months. So I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I would love to just start the conversation to ask you what set you on your journey and how did you get started in in doing all that you do? Well, it goes back a ways. Um, you know, my journey, I never had this laid out plan of where I'm at now. I never thought I would be where I'm at now. Um, when I was little, I always had this idea that I would grow up, I would be a marketing executive, and I would have a successful career. And little did I know the impact that mental illness would have on my life and the young age that it started. So I started to battle with my mental health in my preteen years. Um, and I was, and we all have mental health that we struggle with, but we don't all have mental illness. And there's a bit of a, a difference um, between the two. And mine was mental illness. And uh, I was 13 the first time I tried to take my own life and really struggled throughout my adolescence with homelessness and substance abuse and all the stereotypical things that one struggles with when they're not getting treatment for their mental illness. And it was really challenging. I was a bright student, but I wouldn't go to school. I would skip all the time. I got expelled. Um, and I remember the first part of my journey came while I was expelled from high school. And I couldn't find a job. No one wanted me to flip their burgers. Um, and I remember laying on the floor in the basement thinking, this can't be my life. There has to be something more. There has to be purpose in all this pain. This can't be how I'm going to live out the rest of my days. And I decided at that point that I had to take some responsibility for my own decisions and start to turn things around. Because at that point, I was still very much a victim to circumstance. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult in the developing teen brain to be able to see outside yourself, but I had some childhood traumas. I had the trauma of living with this mental illness, of suicide attempts, and I placed a lot of blame on other people and made other people responsible for my decisions. And I realized that I had to stop. So that was one of the first things that really 
really struck through the the messiness that I have to start taking responsibility for myself. So I got cleaned up. I finished high school. By the grace of God, I went on to university. Um, but I still really struggled. Um, mental health, too, at that point, wasn't as widely talked about as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still so much stigma you have to break through, but... I was raised where you don't talk about your problems. It's personal. I was raised where um, it's not mental illness. It's just a lack of faith. I'm a Christian and the type of Christian household I was brought up in. um, And this is can be the struggle in the faith community is that they take mental illness and assume it's a faith issue. Like you're, you're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. You're not being good enough. And, and, and somehow this is like your punishment, which is complete garbage. Um, so I did have those support systems. And so I still struggled. And I remember trying my best to fit into the idea of what I wanted and what I was supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. both my parents are university graduates. I was supposed to go to university and graduate. I was supposed to, you know, clock the corporate nine to five and spend my days doing that and I just struggled finding success because I struggled in my illness I struggled having the capacity to manage different stresses and for those of you wondering um, my diagnosis finally correct diagnosis is bipolar 2 disorder and borderline personality disorder and the severe mood swings that would happen the suicide ideation that would happen it was really hard for me to fit a traditional workspace Mm -hmm. very hard for me I remember so many days driving to work and daydreaming of what it would be like if I would just veer off into oncoming traffic and it was soul crushing and One of the breaking points is when I was pregnant and I suffered from prenatal depression, which I had never even heard of. You hear a lot about postpartum depression, and I struggled a lot in in prenatal depression, and I had to take time off work. Um, And I started to feel a little bit more at ease, and I was wondering, okay, what does this mean? What is this telling me? And one of the things I struggled and battled against was this label of mental illness and label of mental health and so much wanting to be that other person. I think sometimes we get so caught up in comparison and we see these women that seemingly can do it all, mm-hmm. right? That are moms and corporate and wives and on the PTA and they're juggling a million glass balls and they do it seemingly so beautifully. And I had such this desire to be that person. I was so caught up in comparing my weaknesses to someone else's strengths that it was crushing for me. And one of the things that I'm learning to do in order to be successful is acceptance, is acceptance of my limitations. There is so much in hustle culture that says you can do anything you put your mind to, you're limitless, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And while I love the sentiment of that, I think it's very dangerous for a lot of people to believe that they are limitless because that simply is not true. We all have limits. Mm-hmm. Some person's limit may be farther out than yours. Someone's capacity may be bigger than yours, but we all have capacity limits. We all have limits. And I think coming to terms with that and accepting our limitations, not in defeatism, not in victimhood, but in an opportunity to rechannel our energy towards where we can thrive. Because if I keep trying to push through this limit that I have because the world is telling me I'm limitless because I'm supposed to girl boss it up and do this if I continue to push against that limit that I have I'm going to continue to break my head essentially Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to break and I'm not going to achieve success and I'm going to believe I'm a failure and I'm going to keep 
comparing myself to other people that have different limits and I'm never going to grow or achieve things. And I realized I had to come to acceptance of my limits. Some of my limits means I am not going to flourish in a corporate nine to five setting. Some of my limits meant accepting that the vision I had for myself wasn't going to be, but that didn't mean that I couldn't have success and happiness and joy and fulfillment and purpose. Our purpose, I like to say, is when our heart sings. Find your heart song and then you find your purpose. When I was busting my head against trying to break the limits that I did and trying to be someone that I wasn't, I was never living in my heart song. I was never walking in purpose. And that I became slowly to accept who I am, accept my limitations in grace and love and self-compassion. I was better able to see where I'm strong. Because while we have limits, while we have weaknesses, we certainly all have strengths. We certainly all have um, opportunities to grow and explore and impact and do all that. I just wasn't seeing them because I was looking at the wrong thing. And when I started to have acceptance, I was able to see where are my strengths. And I realized that my strength is in connection, in sharing my past hurts and my struggles, in advocating for mental health, in encouraging women to walk in their purpose, in encouraging women to connect with who they are. Because there's so much lies that we believe about ourselves, that we believe that we're not enough, we believe that we're not worthy, we believe that we're not capable, because we have taken lies from society, we've taken comparison in, and we have taken our limits to mean failures, where I see our limits as just rerouting us to our true purpose and success. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been a journey and it's been difficult and it's, it's not easy. And I don't know if you find, if any of that resonates with you in, in trying to find your purpose or trying to walk in your heart song, but there's mm-hmm. so many messages out there for women that while the spirit of them is great, mm-hmm. the application of them can be really detrimental to finding your purpose because we feel like we have to fall in line. And I tried different things. I tried the corporate world. I tried more like relaxing. I tried MLMs. I tried lots of things. Um, But I had to silence the noise, find acceptance, and then focus on my strengths. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you're not pushed out of your comfort zone. I'm pushed out of my comfort zone every day doing what I'm doing. I'm pushed out of my comfort zone anytime I have to one-on-one interact with someone because that scares me. Um, And it's so interesting how I feel like my purpose isn't to encourage other women, but I'm still so scared of other women. That's something that I'm working on. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the fingerprints of that old belief system where I had to be like her or I had to be like her or I had to be like her. It's not who I am. I'm not an Enneagram 3, I'm an Enneagram 4, I'm deep feeling, I'm all about authenticity, and I had to accept that emotional part of myself and find a way to make it work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the time, what we need to do is accept where, we, where we're weak so that we can focus on where we're strong and build beautiful legacy and impact in our lives that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, um, so I'm so, I'm just taking everything in and I just, I'm so in awe of you and I'm just so, you know, in, encouraged by what you're saying, because I, I completely, you're asking if this resonates with me and it actually resonates me a lot closer than you might think, because, um, I can't say who, because I haven't obviously seek their permission, but someone very close to me, um, I believe also suffers from a mental illness similar to what you shared. 
um, and, and would have, you know, had that exact same path if, if I wasn't there and if, you know, um, if we weren't there to support, support them and encourage them. But, um, but the challenge is, like you said, it's, you know, when you're, when you're growing up in a faith-based, um, culture, um, from a specific type of faith base, like you shared, where, you know, you, your mental illness is seen as a weakness and, um, something that is your fault and you need to go do something of it. When that messaging is drilled into you from childhood, it becomes very hard and very challenging to accept a different mindset and a different view on, on what you're suffering from. And then I just applaud you for, for making that shift and making that mindset shift um, and really understanding that there is a different way that you can take control of your life and create the life that you have created. And, you know, and I just pray and wish that everyone that is listening and perhaps has someone that's suffering from a mental illness or they themselves are that they listen to this and they, they realize that because I know for myself, for, for my, you know, the person that was very close to me, I hoped even to this day, I hope that, you know, she realizes it and, um, and, and and makes that mindset shift and that change because it is, you know, and like, like you said, you, it is, it's so hard when you've, you know, been traumatized and you've lived through trauma, it's hard to get out of your own head and see the bigger picture, see um, a different path that where you can take control and you can live with that mental illness um, on your own terms and in your own way and, and advocate for yourself. Um, and, you know, so I, I just, I just, you know, I'm going to have to share this episode with them because I really want them to see the encouraging story that you you've shared here and how much be really clear too that I did not mindset my way out of this. Mm -hmm. So if you are battling mental illness, it's not just about needing to think positively. Yeah. I take medication. I go to therapy. I had to accept my diagnosis and be determined to be the best that I can be in light of that diagnosis. Yeah. There are very few people that struggle with anxiety or depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or trauma related um, uh, disorders like borderline personality. Um, that can do it on their own. I would almost argue no one can do it on their own, but I'll leave a little bit of margin for super superheroes. But so we have to be okay with saying, I need help. Yeah. And if you got to take the pill, take the pill. If you got to go to therapy, go to therapy. If you've yeah. got to reduce your schedule, then you reduce your schedule. If you got to put up boundaries, you put up boundaries. If you have to say no, you have to say no. Um, and I, have had to advocate for myself and get help and in ways that you know you know they say it takes a village to raise a child it takes a village to support someone in mental illness and um, one of the things that I struggle with for example is and I don't know why for the life of me I cannot stay on top of my medication I cannot so I have had to get my husband to give me my pills he brings me my pills every night because that is a support that I need. Because it's very common for people with bipolar and maybe other illnesses to when they're not feeling their lowest to forget about taking their medication. Mm -hmm. So I put in the support. I put in support by going to therapy and tackling my trauma and doing the hard work. And it is hard work. But I put that in there. Um, and so we have to be able to ask for and accept help. Mm -hmm. And that's true, even if you don't have a mental illness. If you're a mom and you're trying to work and you're trying to do this, we need help. Yeah. We need help. The, the image of the superwoman doing it all is only going to lead to burnout. She does not exist. We have moments of greatness for sure, but that's not sustainable. We need breaks, we need rest, and we need boundaries, and we need help. And I think that in some cases, our society has 
insulated itself so much from that community vibe. Um, and we would be so much better served to open our lives up a bit more in the community and get the support that we need. And I'd also say, it's, and I don't think this is just the Christian faith. I think there's a lot of people in faith communities outside of my faith where mental illness is not recognized as illness on the same degree. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say that it's not your fault. It's nothing that you've done. I've had well-meaning Christians ask me if I have had unrepentant sin in my life or if I'm reading the Bible more. And I think the faith community, we need to do better. It's not pray or take your medicine. It's pray and take your medicine. It's not read your Bible or go to therapy. It's both. There's definitely been a huge positive impact in in practicing my faith with my mental health Mm -hmm. but doing so knowing that my mental illness is not a reflection of my faith if anything my faith strengthens me to Mm -hmm. be the warrior I need to be every day in fighting what's going on in here so I just Mm -hmm. want people to be encouraged and you know we don't we don't look down on someone when they have diabetes. We don't exactly. look down on someone when they have cancer. Yeah. But also for people that struggle mental, with mental health, you can't let it be become your identity. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't treat people that have cancer as if it's their fault. You also don't hear people that have cancer say, I'm cancer. No, they say I have cancer. I'm not bipolar. I have bipolar. I'm yeah. so much more than that. Yeah, so more to offer this world, and part of what I have to offer is actually a gifting from my illness. Yeah, there's downsides, but there's giftings. I have a gifting of empathy. Um, my son is struggling with his mental health, and I think that there is some hereditary and genetic stuff that goes into that. But he's suffering from his mental health. He has OCD, and it's quite a journey to mother someone with mental illness when you're struggling yourself. But the way that I've been able to come alongside him has been beautiful yeah. for him and for me to support him because I have an understanding and I don't want him to go through what I went through. I don't want him to be a statistic like I am as a suicide survivor. And so you know, we have to see that we are not just our illnesses and not just look at the negative. Look at the positive that our illness can bring. Compassion, empathy, creativity, a whole bunch of things. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, and, and you know, I love that you say that you, you know, it's not just about shifting your mindset and thinking positively, which I completely agree with. And I, I think it's just that step um, like you said, that step or that, you know, that honor, that moment where you're honoring yourself and you're saying, you know, I need help and I need to go to therapy or I do need the medication. And there's so much stigma around medication for mental illnesses. And I, I don't understand why. And, and, you know, in my, I spent, because of my experience, I've spent my entire, um, you know, young adulthood studying mental health and studying children's mental health, trying to figure out what happens in your childhood that creates this path for you in your life and and coming from a place of empathy and just understanding that we all are traumatized and we all have different experiences and just that that um that note that you said about just accepting you need to you need the supports and you need that that's that to me is the biggest step that any anyone can take is just accepting help and um, just recognizing that you can't always do it on your own. And I completely agree with you. You can't always do it on your own. Um, and I just wanted to go back to something you said earlier about uh, knowing yourself and you know, really knowing your limitations and knowing who you are and what works best for you. And I, am, I completely agree with that, that you need to figure out who you are um, and your purpose in life is a journey um, in my opinion, it's just a journey. It's not really a destination. It's not somewhere you're going to reach and, you know, the flowers are going to bloom and the sun's going to come out shining and the butterflies are flying by. It's just, it's a journey to, to live, to find that purpose and to live that purpose. Um, 
And it's and, we're constantly changing. So my purpose yeah. right now, what I'm doing may not be how I can be most impactful a year, five years, 10 years. Right. Now. Yeah. It can shift. It's seasons. And we have to be flexible yeah. to change as we grow. And yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's just, it's just that, that piece of figuring out who you are, um, truly and understanding that and then 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 figuring out what aligns with who you are like what do you want to do that aligns with who you are um i think is is key and it's the most important thing you can do because i know you were talking about prenatal depression and i've i've definitely heard that more and more now recently um and i don't know if you follow the birds papaya but she um she shares that she she's going through that right now she shares about the moments where you know, she feels like I should be happy about this pregnancy, but all she can think about is all the all the struggles that she's experiencing um, with her prenatal depression. Um, and I remember right before, when I was pregnant, I didn't suffer from prenatal depression, but after I had my baby, the first thing I thought that came to my mind was postpartum depression and just, just the fear. And I just had this fear. I remember um, and there's this, uh, you know, you, you know, about mental illness, there's always a diagnostic checklist that you have to meet these certain things in order to be, so I, I went and down, I found it in the, the DST and I downloaded it and I downloaded five or six copies. And I said, I'm going to keep this here. And at the end of every week for the next five weeks after I have, um, my baby, cause you get public health following you for six weeks in Canada. So I said, you know, for the next five weeks, I want at the end of every week, I want to do this checklist for myself so I can let public health know in case I am suffering. Um, and I remember one day doing it and just reading through the questions and just feeling so, like you said, boxed in. Uh, and and I love that you said you finally got the right, correct diagnosis, because I just was looking at these questions and I was like, yes, I feel on a spectrum. I do feel this. But Am I, you know, on on a, at, at a ten for that feeling, or am I at a two? Um, and there's just so much variety, and I just felt like these checklists were just not were not conducive to every single person. Um, right. And the way that it, the way that we diagnose, and the way that we structure it currently, I just, I just feel like there's such spectrum, and um, and so I love, I love that you shared that because, like you said, you know. I can suffer from uh, a mental illness and you may suffer from, you know, the same title of it, but we can have completely different experiences. Absolutely. And what works to treat us can be completely different. Exactly. And, you know, getting a proper diagnosis is a journey in and of itself because there's so much overlap. There's so much core morbidity. Did I say yeah. that word right? Mm -hmm. So there, so you really have to want to get better. You really have to want help. And then you really have to advocate yourself and you, for yourself. And you have to be in it for the long term because there's finding the right diagnosis. Then there's finding the right treatment. Like I had to try different pills until we found ones that were good for us. There's finding the right therapist because just someone, just because someone's qualified to treat you doesn't mean you're going to connect and you have to not give up when everything just doesn't line up nicely right away because chances are it won't and it can be disheartening and it can be discouraging, but you just got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And you know, the biggest switch was taking responsibility for my mental and then taking responsibility for it, accepting it, accepting that I have a mental illness. That was very hard. I denied it for a very long time and suffered. And my family suffered for a very long time because I wouldn't accept it. And a big eye opener for me was after I had my son, I had really severe postpartum depression. And even then, I was like, didn't want medication because I didn't want the stigma around it. And finally, my mom, who has generalized anxiety, ended up being institutionalized for her mental health. And I saw how it tore apart the family. 
And that's one of my worst fears is ending up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I realized I don't want to get to that because I've ignored it for 20 years. And so it really encouraged me to take more ownership and not care what people think. No one else has to live my life. No one else has to raise my stuff. I have to be the best mother I can be possible. I have to provide the best life possible for him. No one can do that for me, so I don't care about anyone's opinion. And I am going to do what is best for us. And in the perp and in the process, find out how I can thrive. Mental illness is not a death sentence. It doesn't have to be. It can just be another part of you. It's just another part of you. It's not all of you. It doesn't take away the purpose that you have in life. It doesn't take away your ability to be impactful. It doesn't take away your ability to leave a legacy. It's just part of your struggle that you'll go through. But in that struggle, you gain strength. In that obstacle, you can find opportunity. And that's always what I say. Getting out of that victim mindset and seeing how you can live a victorious life even with the struggle and go, I never, in the middle of a pandemic, while I'm struggling with my mental health, I launched a business. I would never have imagined that, but it's possible. Your mental illness doesn't have to limit you. You may have to change your idea of what success looks like. You may have to change how you envision your future, but you still have a future and it can be amazing. That's the thing. We have to be flexible in changing what our goal is, but we can still have some pretty amazing goals and some pretty beautiful successes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I just, you know, I, I definitely feel, um, you know, that what you said about when you're suffering from a physical illness, such as cancer, diabetes, you know, there's, um, there's obviously diagnostic confirmations things biopsies and things like that that you can do that confirms yes this is it but with mental illness it's that's not it so you do need to share it's it's all about what you share and your experiences and you saying what what how you're feeling and what it is um that that can help but you know accepting that and accepting your limitations like you said and um and acknowledging acknowledging that um i think is amazing and and i i completely agree with you that in my opinion i i just you know, society's, how do I want to say it? Society's um, view or perspective of mental illness, um, I think is changing slowly, but um, you do need to treat, you know, if someone is suffering from mental illness, you do need to treat them with compassion and empathy, just as much as you would treat someone that says they have cancer, you know, and I know in my family, when I, when somebody and has cancer, has a heart attack or a stroke, because we've had those in our family, it's always a place of like, oh, poor him, or oh no, did you hear? And, you know, and it comes from a place of such sadness and, and, and empathy and sympathy. But that's not, you know, I've tried to explain this to like my grandparents and things like that about mental illness and my um, aunts and uncles about mental illness and just saying, you know, we need to treat this as if, you know, it's not, it's not the person saying these things. It's, it's their illness saying these things. And so let's go from compassion and empathy and it's never met with the same, same thing, you know? And so everything that you're. When I'm sick, I'll have friends drop off meals or. Right. And, you know, pop in with a coffee, you know, when you go through a breakup, your girlfriend surrounds you with ice cream and things like that. But when I'm in the midst of a depression, no one's seeing if my family's being fed because I can't cook dinner. When I'm in the midst of a depression and battling through suicide ideation, there's no one just showing up with a coffee. Like we have to get a little bit better in providing the practical supports in a moment of crisis, just like we would provide practical support in the physical illness. Like I even remember when I had Caleb, people brought meals, like my freezer was stocked because they knew the first few weeks, you know, it'd be hard and you'd be tired. And 
let's care and love on people in their mental health crisis is the same way. Exactly. Full support. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm all, I'm all for everything that you're saying because it's so true. It's just we need to, we need to, you know, we need to. If we don't, if I don't suffer from the mental illness, I need to take it upon myself to say, how am I supporting those around me that do? Um, and what can I do? And what would I? And not making it any different than you would. Yeah, like you said, if someone's had a new baby and needs the supports, like we know what we need to do for that new mom. We know we need to provide food or just comfort or coffee or just checking in. Hey, how's it going? Um, or you know, just just anything. And and I, I yeah, I really I really appreciate this conversation because I feel like it's these are things that I've been thinking about lately, very deeply. Um, and, you know, having, like you said about your mom and me having my own daughter, I just, these are things I think of because I think of what am I doing right now to ensure that she has the opportunities to be mindful and aware, even though she's almost two, but just being mindful and aware of her emotions. And we're obviously going through the tantrum phase right now. So, so that regulation of emotions is not there for her. And, and so for me, I'm just thinking, what can I do to support her? from this perspective so that I can encourage her to work through her, her emotions and, um, and know that she's safe and comfortable and we're here if she needs anything, but that's me, right. Letting our children know that they're safe, helping them name their feelings, letting them know that it's okay to feel how you feel. Mm-hmm. Some of the things we might do when we have the feelings might not be okay. But having the feelings in and of themselves is okay. Yeah. And encouraging dialogue and being a listener and not being reactive to what they're saying. Um, And if you're wondering, like, as a friend, how can I support someone who's struggling with their mental illness? Listening is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Just being there, not expecting the person to necessarily talk either. Just being there. You can sit in a room and have physical presence, and that could be such a comfort, even if no words are exchanged. Check in. Um, know that when they cancel plans, it's not them being flaky. Like being social sometimes can be really difficult. It is exhausting having to battle your mind every day. Someone that has depression, someone that has anxiety, someone that has mood disorders, you are constantly battling your mind I always say to to people I I am in a battle against myself for myself yeah and that is exhausting it's tiring Mm -hmm. so my capacity is smaller it's not the same I don't have the same energy as someone else and just understanding those things goes such a long way just yeah not being afraid of the topic too I know, and that can be hard. It can be uncomfortable. Just like when someone you you know loses someone, it's uncomfortable to sit in that space with them in their grief. It can be uncomfortable. But if you love someone, you have to be willing to sit in that uncomfortableness with them as a solidarity and support. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I... Yeah, I, I really hope that um, anyone listening can really just take these these notes because it's true. You just need to overcome, you know, that uncomfortable feeling and just be there to listen and to encourage. And, and you know, and I really hope that we're shifting towards that, that, that path and that way where, where mental health is, you know, common. And it's a, not that it's common, but it's a something that we just talk about and it's not this taboo subject and it's not this, I don't really know what to do moment. It's, it's, you know, I know what to do. I know how to support. I know that I need to just be there to listen um, or to encourage or, or to support like your husband does for you, which is incredible. And um, just having those supports and those networks and just knowing, you know, that it's, it's okay. And, you know, it's okay to have those feelings and let's support you um through it and through that journey and so I really appreciate everything you shared but I am curious you know like you said you in the middle of a pandemic 
how you decided you wanted to start your business because, um, like you said, that's, you know, may have been the last thing somebody would have ever expected, um, to do during the pandemic. I mean, I started this podcast during the pandemic as well. And so you started your business and I, I think that there's a lot of, um, um, moments that I just think about what if, what if this pandemic didn't happen? Would I still have started this podcast or have this downtime? Um, so I'm so excited to hear about, about affirming truths and, and how that came to be. Well, it came to be in my experience of walking through mental illness as a woman of faith, um, of being in the personal development world. I've loved reading the personal development books, but a lot of the things didn't resonate with me mm-hmm. as a person of faith because personal development sometimes can be about how you have everything inside of you on your own. And as a person of faith, for me, I don't have everything inside of me on my own. That's why I need God. And so there was a little bit of a disconnect. And I thought, you know, there's so many other Christian women who struggle with their identity, who struggle with learning to love themselves and seeing themselves as enough, who have this disconnect in the personal development world. So Affirming Truth came about to support women in rooting their identity in Christ so that they could walk boldly in the purpose he has over their lives. And so our main product right now is affirmation cards and they're biblically based. And um, it just is a beautiful way to say, yeah, I'm strong and here's my faith evidence because this is what the Bible says, or I'm capable because this is what the Bible says, or I'm surrendered or I'm disciplined or I'm patient or I'm loved all the things that we need to root in our brains, we got to uproot the junk. But unless we replace the junk with the truth, the junk keeps coming back, right? It's like weeds in a garden. If you're not on those weeds, and if you're not drowning out the weeds with other plants and mulch, the weeds are going to keep coming. Our negative self-talk is just like the weeds. So we got to not only root them out we gotta plant other stuff in it and so these affirmation cards are meant to help women plant the truth of who they are in their head with the faith-based aspect of having it biblically based um we also just launched a bible study a downloadable looking at different women in the bible and what we can learn about our identity and god's character from them so affirming truth is a faith-based company um and like i said it just came out of my own need to do affirmations. Affirmations are so important. There's so much science behind how they can actually rewire your brain. Affirmations are very close to CBT therapy, so cognitive behavioral therapy, which is part of the therapy I do um, in my trauma recovery. There's so many scientific-based evidence for the power of affirmations, for the power of thought replacement. And I wanted to bring that to women of faith while encouraging their faith. So bringing the faith and the personal development and the therapy worlds together and supporting women. Because I know when we start believing in who God says we are, then the confidence to move forward in what he gives us to do. And that heart song I talked about earlier, I believe God plants the heart song in us. That we're able to walk more boldly in it and more confidently in it. And so I really want to see women thrive. I really want to see women love and own who they are and accept who they are, flaws and all, because they still have purpose. And whether that purpose is to be an amazing mom and raise a good human, or whether that purpose is to be a CEO or an entrepreneur or whatever it is, I want them to have the confidence and the boldness to pursue it because they can, because they're worthy, because they're able, because God has said they can and they're able. Yeah. Talking about affirming truth. Yeah, I I love it. I uh, I'm gonna have to get I'm gonna have to get uh, um, the affirming truths from you 
um, I'm going to have to purchase that off your website because I, I definitely see the journey and the person that I was talking about earlier. I mean, I'm, we're Muslim. I, I don't know if I identify with being Muslim or I was just born into it. I'm not, I'm still going through that piece, but I definitely, um, believe in a level of spirituality where, yeah, you do need that higher power to support you and to guide you. And I agree that, you know, you can, um, you, you have what you have inside of you, but you sometimes do need a bit of faith, um, and, and higher power and beliefs to, to, to see what path you can take or what path is set forth for you. But, um, but the person I'm speaking about is also Muslim, but also speaks the same way as I do and says that she was just born into it. She's not really it, but she, but whenever she's really struggling or, um, or, you know, she really just needs a moment to reconnect. She, she goes to a Christian church, which I find so interesting. And I've always found this interesting that whenever she's really needing connection, I'm really needing um, just faith. It, it, she does go back to a Christian um, church. And and I just, and so as you're speaking, I'm just thinking about, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I need to get this for her so that she can she can read this because it's, it's empowering. And I am all for affirming truths and, um, and, and having that. And I, I have that, I have um, affirming truths every morning in my practice. And, um, and it, it's so true. It's so true that you just have that moment where you just believe in yourself or you just say, you affirm what you're saying and you think in your thoughts and how you perceive yourself and how you perceive the moment, um, that, uh, that you have in front of you, um, and what you say to you. And then the power of your thoughts is, is definitely not something to be overseen. And it's definitely something that is so encouraging, um, and empowering, um, for you and for everything that you want to do. So, um, I love it and I can't wait to share. And so for those listening in, we are going to do a giveaway. So hop on over to, um, the how did you learn to do that Instagram page, um, where I'll link, uh, with Carla and we'll do a giveaway for the affirming truth. So, uh, one lucky winner will be having a chance to see her affirming truth products and to be inspired and encouraged and empowered by it. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this story. I just am in such awe of you and such, um, you know, so inspired by everything that you do and everything that you've shared. And, um, and this has to be probably my most favorite podcast episode I've recorded ever. So, um, you know, when I started this, these are the kinds of stories that I wanted to talk about is that people in our communities are, are, you know, dealing with different things and, and finding ways to commit to themselves, to take the action that they need to create that life or that path for themselves that they've always wanted. Um, and you're just, you're just a testament to that, that you've, you've committed to yourself. Um, so that, you know, and it always takes me back to that oxygen mask, um, analogy, you know, you have to put your own on before you put anyone else's on. And that's exactly what you're speaking about today and, um, sharing. And I think that's incredible. I did want to just say one thing about what you said about how you're there for your son. I think that's the most beautiful thing uh, that you, that you you're doing because like you said, it's, you know, you, you understand and you, you've gone through that experience. And so you're, you're there from a place of being informed and understanding and knowing. And I think a lot of parents that do have children suffering from mental illnesses or mental health challenges, they just, they, they, they almost don't know where to go and they don't know what to do. And I think that what you're doing is incredible. And, um, and I really hope that you, um, if you want, you, you know, encourage and empower parents, um, and support, support other parents with children that are dealing with mental illnesses, because I know there's such a need, uh, for that out there. And, um, and yeah, I just, I'm just so encouraged by everything that you've shared. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love talking on this subject and there's so many different ways we can talk about it. Like parenting a child with mental illness is its own journey. Yeah. Discovering faith is its own journey as you're on one right now. Like there's just, you know, 
I think we need to be open to the experience of the journey and the unknown and being flexible and maneuvering it. And when it comes to the parenting, I just want to encourage parents to put reputation aside. I think sometimes we, what will people think of me if my child has this? What will people think of me if my child has that? There's still that stigma. You have to put the reputation aside and think, what is best for my child? My child is hurting. My child is in need. And sometimes that hurting child looks obnoxious and is difficult to deal with. It's easy to have compassion when the mental illness is presenting it as sadness and tears. It's a lot harder to have compassion when mental illness is presenting itself as irritability and rage, which it can often do. But still having the compassion and understanding where it's coming from. And it's coming from a child that's hurting that needs help. Don't be afraid to go to the doctor. In fact, I'm going to the doctor with my son today because he just shared with me he's having thoughts of suicide. So I did not sleep very well last night. It's still difficult for me to go through this, but you have to be like, okay, so we're in this together. We're in this together. Mom is here with you. We're going to walk this road together. You're not going to be alone. And we're going to figure out how to make you thrive. Because thriving is 100% achievable with mental illness. Will you thrive 100% of the time? No, no one does. Mm -hmm. But having thriving in your life, having success in your life is possible. Yeah. Figuring out the, the road work for you and how to do that so yeah yeah I think that's wow that's you know that's you know you should I think you should just um I don't even know what uh, how to go from that but I just want to say that you should just be so proud of everything that you're doing because the fact that your son came to you to tell you that and the fact that you knew this is the world we we need to take to get you that support and that help and let's work, walk it together um, is incredible. I think it's incredible. And, um, and I, I, you know, and I, and I hope that he can see how amazing his mom is and, and this journey that you're on as well. And, you know, and it's just this moment where, where you can support him and he supports you. And I, I think it's so um, meaningful and it's just so, um, encouraging and uh, beautiful to see. Well, thank you again for having me. I really love talking with you and your audience, and hopefully they've been yeah. encouraged. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, and like I said, I will link all of Carla's um, social media as well as her website to Affirming Truths on the show notes for you to check out. And if you have any questions for her, you can feel free to message me or you can message Carla directly, um, and she'll she'll answer those questions. All right. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the end of that episode. I hope that you have learned something from that episode that can have you getting closer to a fulfilling life and career. There's so much out there in the world that you can learn, you can experience, and you can apply to your current life that will help you start making those little steps towards a career that you love and that you're inspired by. So I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what you're doing. I would love for you to share with me over on our social media, or you can send me an email and let me know. You can visit our website, howdidyoulearntodothat.com for the show notes and for blog posts and to hear more about what we're up to. And of course, we would love if you could help us grow by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and sharing with your family and your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.